welcome to Minute 6 of As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. I am Darren, your host, and with me today are Caroline. Hello, Caroline. Hi, everyone. Glad to be here. And Eric. Ahoy, hoy. And here we are, four minutes into this week, six minutes into the film. Uh, we start with Cher concluding her speech about the Haitians. And we finish the minute with Travis um, about to tell us um, <laughs> how he feels about the Rolling Stones. Rolling yeah. And the bulk of this minute, we start with the conclusion of Cher's speech where she says, conclusion for us, she says, and in conclusion, may I please remind you that it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty. And she says it in such a way that even those who are half asleep in the class um, start applauding her. Um, and then obviously she uh, she says thank you very much uh, and pulls on her uh, her bubblegum her uh, bubblegum they were listening for the applaud line and she gave them a hell of an applaud line I think that's a really good way to close her uh, her speech out yeah and and that is such and the thing is as well um, we didn't really kind of talk about the meat of the speech but I think that this question of like you know refugees and at the time. Um, it's weird because like Haiti had like a small crisis like in the mid nineties, but obviously like a decade after this, it had uh, like it was devastated. The island was devastated by you know hurricanes and storms and everything. Yeah. Um, so I think it's kind of like interesting, um, you know, that that was the subject that they chose because I mean they, I guess they could have they could have picked any kind of country that had a refugee crisis or anything like that, but they kind of picked that because it was kind of close to. Uh, you know the United States, mm. and so I guess at the time it felt a bit more like plausible that yeah. you know there could be an influx of, of Haitian refugees. Um, but you know, I think it's a, it's a, it was an, it's an interesting topic to put kind of in a teen movie because you don't you kind of I mean you know you, whenever you see classes in teen movies you know they're always those infamous like thirty second classes where someone says something and the bell goes and it's the end of the class. You never ever see any kind of real discussion um, in a class, uh, and so I think it's kind of interesting that we do get like Cher talking for like forty-five seconds about mm. the party, but also kind of touching upon. And I must say, like you know, Amy Heckling deserves like, some kind of award for for finishing with the kind of like you know, I remind you, it does not say RSVP on the Statue of Liberty because I yeah. just think that's a great line, such a great and like it's a great laugh line, but it's also you know. It's also a great truism. That, oh yeah. Um, you know the point of the point of you know the United States and everything is not that that you that people have to fill out an RSVP. Uh, and then of course we get um, Amber <laughs> wondering how she can answer that, uh, and she's like she's talking about some little party, which I think again is like a great uh, from Amber's point of view. You know, Cher was just talking about this stupid party, and I think that is kind of true. She was talking about a stupid party. Um, but from Cher's point of view, you know, she's like, hello, obviously with that wonderful, uh, you know, the, the uplift in the voice. It was his 50th birthday party. And then we get um, what I, I mean, I'm going to say that this film and in, in, in this second invented this, which is Amber makes the W to signify whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and and, and, and the thing is, like the phrase whatever, I'm sure now sounds like, you know, the common vernacular, but. In the mid '90s, that this was kind of the start of teens answering any question with whatever, and kind of just dismissing stuff. Uh, and I have a feeling like the episode of The Simpsons where um, 
Bart and Lisa are like their reaction to something is meh, <laughs> and, and and it's kind of, that's kind of like an extension of this whatever thing. It's kind of like teens just becoming more and more like bored and jaded with everything. Mm. Um, Amber has a point though because she says if she didn't do the assignment, I can't do mine. Um, and I, I guess if I was Amber, I would not have any idea on how to answer Cher's wonderful speech. Well, that's, about... certainly, that's certainly Amber's character, is to say, like, well, if she yeah. didn't do hers, then I'm not going to do mine. But, I mean, like, yeah. she, she probably should. She probably should have, even if the other yeah, person didn't come give with it an some argument. Effort, but... Yeah, you should put, it, yeah. Put, put your argument up, yeah. But, yeah, that, that's but her character. I do think it's funny that Cher kind of basically threw Amber off balance with this this kind of weird <laughs> rambling story about a party, um, you know. Uh, and then we get this lovely little interaction here. And I'm not going to mention him too much because he gets a proper introduction in about 20 minutes' time. Um, but Mr. Hall is like, um, so does anyone have any further thoughts on Cher's oration? Elton comments. And Elton's got his hand up because he can't find his cranberry CD and he's got to go to the quad before someone snags it. <laughs> I mean, it foreshadows the fact that later on Elton will sing along to some cranberries. Um, but it's it's just such a... I just love that line. And the fact that the camera never shows you his face. Like, we just... It's all on the back of his head. Like, mm. as, as, um, as Wally Shawn walks towards the camera. It's like he's, you know, this moment in the film, he's not important. Um, but I just love the fact that he's concerned about this cranberry CD. Mm. Um, which at the time, the cranberries, I don't think, had broken that big in America. So again, this is a case of, you know, uh, an act or a kind of musical act being referenced or used in a way that is kind of on the zeitgeist. Yeah, so this um, movie's doing a really good job of promoting artists who were kind of coming up in the world at this time. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, and many years later, I read the reason, because this, I mean, you know, Elton's character isn't really much of a character, but um, the reason that he he mentions this Cranberry CD, um, this was revealed in an interview with like Amy Heckling years later, is his dad is like the head of a record label. Mm. Uh, and that is why he's constantly going on about kind of music. And, and it's obviously, it's not something that you can see in the film, but... Uh, yeah, Amy Heckling in an interview was because someone was like, "Why does he keep going on about this cranberry CD, and why does he keep wanting to go to the, you know, like he keeps trying to make excuses to get out of class?" And Amy Heckling was like, "Well, his dad's like a super wealthy head of oh, wow. like, a record label, and that is why he's acting in this manner." But I just, I just love the line about, you know, I've got to go to the quad before, quad before someone snags it. It's like, does anyone really care about cranberry CDs? Uh-huh. Wallace Shawn but, shuts him down. <laughs> pretty good <laughs> yeah i like the idea that everyone who goes to this high school is presumably still like rich and privileged enough such that even like the stoner sort of almost burnout character comes from money and like has character moments that are indicative of that which is mm -hmm. if that is amy heckerling's sort of interpretation or backstory of the character i kind of wish that had been made more clear but i mean the kind of the newest character that we meet in this minute that i think you know we should talk a little bit about is travis birkenstock and mm -hmm. he's one of the few characters whose surname is revealed in this film um he didn't go on to be in the clueless tv show as travis he made a guest he made a guest appearance as a different character in one episode wow uh, because because amy heckling actually wrote and directed the pilot for the tv show and she wrote some episodes in the first season before it got cancelled by abc and then it switched over to upn for the second and third season 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she she was and Paul Rudd makes a guest appearance, um, and uh, oh, there's another actor who does it as well. I think Brittany Murphy also made an appearance. So there were some actors that kind of made guest appearances, but who weren't regulars. But yeah, I love Mr. Hall shutting down Elton with his like, I'm afraid I can't permit that any further insights. (laughs) (laughs) And like moving on. And then Travis, I love with his, I had an insight. Yeah. Mr. Hall. Completely off anyway. (laughs) Yeah. And Mr. Hall is like, I'm all ears. And it's like, the way I feel about the Rolling Stones is the way my kids are going to feel. And that's where we finish the minute. But, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of talk a bit about Breckin Meyer here. Yeah. Um, who, funnily enough, the school where this was shot, which was Beverly Hills High School, he had gone to this school. Um, so this is his school, like, or it was like, oh, wow. you know, the two two years earlier when he graduated from it. Um, but yeah, so he, you know, he is actually from this area. Um, well, he was living there after moving, uh, you know, for work for to, to be a, an actor. Yeah. And uh, he went to this high school, so wow. Uh, you know, it, it's weird that he's he's kind of back, um, pretending to be a student where he was once a student. Um, uh, and obviously, Breckenmeyer, I'd say, out of everyone in this film, he's kind of more one of the more successful actors. Uh, you know, maybe Paul Rudd and Jeremy Sisto, I would say, are you know maybe yeah. you know kind of more successful or depending on how you view four years of law and order, um, <laughs> you know, they're kind of on that level of like, they're the ones who kind of broke out and, you know, Breckenmeyer, he was also in the craft, uh, you know, which is obviously uh, a great team movie, uh, that I would recommend to people. If you, if you haven't seen the craft, um, I think, I think that's a great film, um, with, uh, you know, Robin Tunney and, uh, Faruza Bulk. Uh, I can't remember. Uh, but obviously he was also in Go, uh, which I think is probably the kind of first time I saw him after Clueless. Um, and then, uh, you know, Road Trip, uh, Rat Race. Uh, and of course, notoriously, he was um, he was he was John um, in the Garfield movies. Yeah, John Arbuckle. He had the pleasure yeah. of gracing oh, the God. scene <laughs> with his presence. I had John no idea. <laughs> yeah. And and he was in Herbie Fully Loaded. Um, wow. you know, so, you know, he's, he's, he's been around, um, he was a regular on King of the Hill, would you believe, for Do you know the run of that show? Oh, I can't remember. I can't remember, but I know he was on there cause I remember seeing his name at the end. Um, along with Brittany Murphy. Yeah. Who, yeah. um, you know, was Boy, also yeah. on that. And then more recently he's been, uh, uh, you know, a creator and, uh, writer and star of Franklin and Bash. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and if you're someone who watches Fox on a Friday, he's also on the show Second Chance, uh, which I feel is imminently about to be cancelled. So, um, oh really? It's uh, it's not doing well. Yeah, I mostly so, know on the animation front from Robot Chicken, where he's a writer, a producer, and a voice actor on there. Where it this the whole show is basically him and Seth Green playing with uh, action figures. Essentially, but uh, yeah, he's a very good voice actor on there, at least. I remember during the latest refugee crisis or discussions of refugee crises um, that we just had this past year, this clip was actually surfacing a lot uh, in in via social media of sort of like a tongue-in-cheek reference to how uh, a good portion of, of society feels about 
uh, refugee situations in general. So Clueless has a continuing life in uh, contemporary discourse, at least politically, uh, yeah. th- thanks to this scene. It's kind of a a meme about uh, about refugees, which just seems like a weird uh, place for it to end up. Well, immigration is kind of an evergreen issue. It's 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 been an, a problem across the world. Uh, how to deal with this issue? So yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm going to say they mentioned the Rolling Stones. So in case anyone didn't know who the Rolling Stones were, uh, they are a business that is run by Mick Jagger that purports huh. to be a band. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they they were incorporated sometime around like 1981, and since then they have been almost exclusively a business where he is the CEO and everyone else uh, has to kind of do what he says. Um, you know, so uh, I guess I guess they had some good stuff in the sixties, but I wouldn't know because uh, in the internal question of the Beatles or the Rolling Stones, I'm picking the Beatles rather than the Rolling Stones. So. <laughs> it's a safe choice. Um, yeah. yeah. Hey, they're not safe. They're great. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, I was gonna. I mean, if there's nothing else to cover in this minute, I was gonna get into something a, a different topic. Um, sure. Which is teen movies in general. Mm. I state I stated this in minute zero, and I stated it again. I think in minute one, and possibly in minute two. So I won't get too much into it. But obviously, you can tell by my voice that I am not American, uh, and I did not go to an American high school in any way. And as a teenager, uh, watching films about American high school kids uh was that like it was like one of my favorite it still is like one of my favorite types of films to watch uh because i i enjoy the way that people take this kind of template of you know teenagers kind of uh you know friendships or relationships or you know different power structures and they kind of use it in different ways so although you know this is a film about a rich girl and her friends there is other stuff that's being you know played out here and I always find it interesting how people take the teen movie genre and kind of, you know, bend it to to, to their own kind of agenda. Mm. Um, so, you know, are there other teen films that you, uh, you know, enjoy? And I, I like rather than just films with teenagers in kind of stuff that's kind of set around high school. I know, Caroline, you've mentioned mm. already 10 Things, which is, yeah, uh, you know, a great film. Well, my um, relationship but- with teen movies in general is probably not dissimilar to yours Darren because not only did I not have the typical high school experience but I think I was also the kind of kid who like knew that I was kind of a nerd growing up so in the effort to not be socially unsalvageable I really studied like teen magazines and teen movies uh in the effort to like disguise myself as one of those people (laughs) for whom these things are effortless so uh, I think I was the kind of kid to see teen movies as, like, hopefully instruction manuals as to how the rest <laughs> of my peers supposedly live their lives. But the um, ultimately, they're always sort of fantasy objects. I mean, I was going to say, uh, I think you covered, and uh, Shannon mentioned this last week, you covered Heathers, obviously. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think I think that's a great teen movie, but I think it's also just a great movie. I think the kind of teen aspect isn't... Um, Honestly, I think you know. most the best teen movies are written for adults, pretty much. Like, yeah. there's there's like the the really bad teen movies or the forgettable teen movies are make up the most of the volume of what people that age actually consume. 
um, mm-hmm. because they're just kind of like either wish fulfillment or uh, just sort of that in the vein of that kind of entertainment. But things like Mean Girls, things like Heather's or Clueless, I think make the impact because A, they are just good movies and B, they are written with the idea that as an adult, you can look back on them and enjoy them from the perspective of someone who has either lived through that period of time of life or to for whom that time of life was never really like relatable as those characters. I mean, other than 10 Things and Heather's, are there other teen movies that you've enjoyed that you can recall? Um... Probably the only the, the big one for me was Empire Records uh, when I was around that age, um, yeah. when it was already kind of a vintage piece by then. But um, and uh, I think we just it was like one of the last movies that I remember renting on video any number of times. But um, it was I think that's probably the only other one that was like actually really important to me when I was a teenager, uh, just because it had this sort of like this sort of free, loose sort of music video structure of like cool kids who listen to cool music hanging out and that being the sort of wish fulfillment of what I wanted my like teenage social life to be at that time. <laughs> and of course it stars the other Aerosmith girl, um, yep. Liv Tyler. Mm-hmm. Although she has much better music taste uh, in uh, in yeah. that movie than most of the characters in this movie do. And also, uh, in Empire Records, you have Robin Tunney, who was also in The Craft. Um, mm-hmm. So, like, there was obviously this very small pool of actors who were, in the same way that the, the one rich kid who's super obnoxious, who's holding the party in Ten Things, uh, is also playing a parody of that character in Not Another Teen Movie. Yeah. Uh, so like there's this weird little kind of thing where when it, when team movies like kind of happen there's always like a little pool of, of actors who appear in all of them yeah like, especially for, for the 90s three years for yeah. the 90s teen movies there weren't that many of like honest teen movies so probably the people mm-hmm. who ended up in one of them ended up in all of them and obviously you know um i think people have slightly different feelings about john hughes movies depending on when they grew up but mm. uh I think Molly Ringwald in almost all the John Hughes films is really good. Yeah, Pretty in Pink, I think, is the the classic for me. Although, I, I like in terms of how the story plays out, I think Some Kind of Wonderful is a slightly better version of that story, um, where they kind of well, the best version of that story it. is uh, sh- her choosing neither of the men and going off with <laughs> yeah. uh, the lady she works for in the record store. So. Yeah, to go and work in New York for some people who bust some ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> would be the ideal situation. Um, and I just want to throw out there War Games, because I love War Games. Um, and I don't know if it's really a teen movie, but, you know, it starts with Matthew Broderick hacking um, test scores, which I feel is appropriate <laughs> for where we're going to finish in the next minute. So, yeah. you know... Well, uh, if only if only Cher had known Matthew Broderick, he could have just changed the grades without her having to go through all the uh, effort she's going to be putting forth. Well, yeah. Speaking um, of Matthew Broderick, next... Fred Ferris Bueller's Day Off is where I'd go instantly. Yeah, uh, that's that's the one I just know the best. So yeah. Is there any others, Eric, or is that just the only one you can think of? At this um, moment? I mean, like from that time period. I mean, it's it's weird. I'm just looking at teen movies now. Like it basically s- uh, spans like decades, where you've got different decades that mean different things to different generations all kind of around the same like thematic high schooler days so like starting with american graffiti and then all the way up to like juno which is an easy a like these these kinds of movies that 
encapsulate the high school experience, but kind of dealing with yeah. some, some some more important, pro- more progressive issues that kids actually face. So yeah, I, I was going to say, movies I, like that. I was going to say, I think in recent years there hasn't really been like a kind of teen movie thing mm-hmm. because YA adaptions have kind of just taken over. Yeah, yeah. In that in that place. So you get like you know the fault in our stars or something like that, and that's not really or R rated like, like R rated teen comedies. Yeah, yeah, sex comedies. They're usually R rated. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like I, I, it's weird that I couldn't like after Clueless. I can't really think of a film that kind of works like Clueless in that kind of way. I think mm-hmm. they start to kind of broadly go towards the kind of like American Pie kind of sex comedy uh-huh. style stuff. Or it's more genre oriented, yeah, yeah. Yeah, or or you t- or you know you end up in the in the direction of like the Hunger Games or or something like you know you, you don't mm-hmm. there doesn't seem to just be a, um, and I think Shannon said that you know um, that's mostly because now you get teen like stories told, but they're usually told oh. in TV shows rather than yeah yeah in movies. I'd say Perks of Being a Wallflower from a couple years ago was, was pretty decent until that. Yeah, which features Paul Rudd as an English teacher, I think? Yes, yes. So yeah. we've got a so, connection there. Yeah, returning to the genre, but this time he's Mr. Hall. Yeah. Um, so, But, you know, I think we've covered this minute, and I'm eager for us to get to um, to find out what Travis wants to compare the Rolling Stones to. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So... So I'm going to say once once more um, plugs, and I'm going to say Caroline. Sure. Uh, I am the host and creator of the Loose Cannon podcast. That's C-A-N-O-N. Uh, it's a show where me and a guest go over a movie they love for personal rather than critical reasons. Um, so uh, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at Loose Cannon Pod. Also, my newsletter at tinyletter.com slash loosecannonpod for updates and other podcast appearances, as well as uh, some film-related articles that I liked that week. Great stuff. And Eric? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter if you want to hear more from me at capital E underscore H-A-R-Z-1138. And then I've also been on the other minute-by-minute podcasts uh, that Darren has hosted. Uh Namely, Talking Cast and uh, Cast Next Door, if you want to hear me there. I didn't want to do this every day, but I'll do it today, uh, and I will plug myself, uh, which is, obviously, um, you can follow this podcast on Twitter at asf underscore podcast, and we're also on Facebook. Um, But also, um, I am on Twitter under my own name. I don't know why you'd want to follow me, but if you do, you can. Um, And obviously, I was on episodes of a Talking Cast, and... The boy next door, uh, cast next door, and um, I've also appeared on Stage of Fools, which is another podcast that I uh, produce and edit uh, with last week's guest, Shannon Camp, uh, and with Zach Powers. So thank you very much for joining me today. Uh, uh, I hope you can come back tomorrow and we can finish this week out. Um, uh, and I will say uh, good night, and we will see you tomorrow. Good night. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If, the podcast all about Clueless. It's produced and edited by Darren Husted. This episode was hosted by me, Darren Husted, with my guests Caroline Fulford and Eric Harzer. Like us on Facebook at As If, the podcast. 
Follow us on Twitter at asif underscore podcast and follow us on Instagram asifpodcast. Subscribe to us on iTunes or the podcasting app of your choice and please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.